The Adam Crowley Show. Axon. 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 Oh no. Oh, it's on the nipple. Axon. 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 He went from the bottom. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Got a really solid hot take of the day. That's Steelers-related coming up at 6.40. Rob Rossi talking pens. And last night's emotion coming up at 6.20. Before that, though, I like Colin Dunlap. He's one of the guys from that station across the street that I like. He seems like a good dude. We have similar sensibilities. I feel like we carry ourselves somewhat similarly on air. But I don't agree with this take at all. At least from what I saw on Twitter, he was suggesting that the Pirates should retire Barry Bonds' jersey number. This is typically not the kind of topic I get into. It's very sports radio. It's very, well, he did this, 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 and this. Here are his numbers here, and here are his numbers there. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But we can't just let that slide, can we? Retire Barry Bonds' number here in Pittsburgh? What? No! Barry Bonds does not deserve to have his jersey retired here in Pittsburgh. He was a great player here, but here are the things he was most famous for in Pittsburgh. Fighting with Jim Leland. Nice. And a candy-ass throw in the National League Championship Series. He had one of the worst moments in Pirates history. And his departure, to me, signified one of the great down periods in Pirates history. When he left, the Pirates then sucked until 2013. We're talking about 1992 to 2013. We're talking about 21 effing years here. When that guy left, so did the Pirates' chances of winning. When that guy left, good baseball left. Actually, let's be precise here. From the second the ball left his hand to make its way to home plate, as Sid Slid, Sid Bream went across home plate, that's when baseball turned bad here in the city of Pittsburgh. Why would we want to honor a guy whose signature moments here in Pittsburgh were bad moments? Why would we want to bring back those memories? You see, when Marc-Andre Fleury came back last night, and he watched the video, and he cried, people only thought of the good times. And his good times far outweighed the bad times. With Bonds, there were good times. Don't get me wrong. But the bad times always, 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 always come to the top of your mind first. Because when he went to San Francisco, he was better than he was in Pittsburgh. Never won anything there, but he did hit a lot of home runs, and he helped win a lot of games in the regular season. Pittsburgh fans watching that happen had to have been sick. And they were sick, and I was sick. As the Pirates were bad, the worst franchise in baseball, you think of the Cleveland Browns now, that's what the Pirates were for 21 years. They were that after Barry Bonds left. And Pirates fans had to watch Barry Bonds be the best player in baseball, win four straight MVPs, take the home run crown, both regular season and overall, as we were praising guys like Reggie Sanders and Matt Stairs for hitting home runs. God love them. They were both good in their brief stints in Pittsburgh, but 
If the Pirates had a guy hit 30 home runs, my God, I wanted to grab his ass and kiss him on the mouth. Barry Bonds did that, or would have been able to do that if he stood in the right-handed side of the batter's box. Don't retire that guy's number. I don't think that it's a possibility, but I think the notion of doing so is completely asinine. 412-922-2874. Why would anybody argue on Bonds' behalf? He was an ass. He had, and this is according to me, 11 seasons in San Francisco better than his best season in Pittsburgh. That's a hard pass for me. No Hall of Fame for that guy. None. And don't retire his jersey here in Pittsburgh. I guess I didn't make it clear with me saying no Hall of Fame there. He's not going to get in. I would put him in the Hall of Fame, but I would not raise his jersey here in Pittsburgh. And you know what? Wouldn't it just be the saddest thing for Pirates ownership to do? Actually, no. The saddest thing would be not to resign Bonds back when they had the chance. The saddest thing would be to trade Andrew McCutcheon to the team that wound up having Barry Bonds. Those are the saddest things. I'm wrong there. But it would be sad from the Pirates, or from the fans' perspective, fans who are fans of the Pirates, if the Pirates did something like this just to cling to relevance. That's what it would be. It'd be a desperate move for the Pittsburgh Pirates to regain some relevance by hanging on to Bonds, by claiming the home run king, when that guy, the home run king, Barry Bonds, doesn't give a rip about this town in the first place. It's different than Yager. Yager helped the Penguins win two cups. And the Penguins have actually found some semblance of success after he left. Yager should have his jersey retired. But Bonds? Yo, GTFO. Remember when the Heat retired Jordan's number? Now, Jordan never played for the Heat. Barry Bonds played for the Pirates. But that was desperate and it was insincere. It was a way to get people to come out to the basketball court. For the Pirates, all it would be is a money grab. Get people to come back, watch them put the banner up, watch them put the jersey up, watch them retire his number. And it would just be to make more effing money. Retiring Bond's number would be desperate, it would be insincere, it would be a ploy. All things that sound very Pittsburgh Pirates like. So you know what? Maybe it actually will happen. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowd. The Pirates are gonna twice make money off of Andrew McCutcheon leaving. Have you considered this? The Pirates trade Andrew McCutcheon to San Francisco meaning they don't have to pay his salary. We know where that money's going. Right into Nutting's pocket. But when Andrew McCutcheon comes back to Pittsburgh with the San Francisco Giants, it's going to be a lot like what happened last night with Marc-Andre Fleury. Pittsburgh fans are going to look at Andrew McCutcheon as the guy who did, for however briefly, resurrect baseball here. Sidney Crosby gets that bill for the Penguins. Evgeny Malkin's part of that for the Penguins. But... Marc-Andre Fleury's been around a lot longer than those guys. 
Three years, that's a long time. In three years, I might have a kid. Oh, for the love of God, shoot me. I can't handle a child. I couldn't even leave my house today because it snowed. Marc-Andre Fleury bridged that gap. Marc-Andre Fleury played for bad teams and played for good teams. Sidney Crosby did to an extent in 2006. He played for a bad team with Mario Lemieux. That was the baton really being passed. Andrew McCutcheon, same thing. When he was a rookie hitting three home runs against Washington, that team sucked out loud. Effing terrible. Not worth watching. The only reason you'd go is because Andrew McCutcheon had a shot at rookie of the year. He hit 286 that season, hit some bombs. He played center field very gracefully. Andrew McCutcheon made you think maybe, just maybe, there could be sex, sex, oh, sex here in Pittsburgh. How about that? I know he made my wife think that there could be sex here in Pittsburgh. Good looking man, that Andrew McCutcheon. He made people feel like baseball could be back, and then they won a little bit. And he allowed young and old to kind of bond over baseball. Young people who had never seen it before and old people who were waiting desperately for the good time to come back. So I anticipate Andrew McCutcheon returning to be a lot like Marc-Andre Fleury's return last night. Maybe a little different. Marc-Andre was more bubbly, more vivacious. Marc-Andre also won three Stanley Cups. Andrew McCutcheon never hit a home run in postseason play. But... I think that there are similarities there that will allow for that ballpark to get filled up when he comes back. So Bob Nutting will profit a couple of times. My hope is that there's all kinds of orange in the crowd. My hope is that everyone and their mothers got a San Francisco Giants player tee with McCutcheon on the back. My hope is that you spend money, but you spend money that goes into the pockets of the San Francisco Giants. Although I do understand the economics of baseball and really any money you put into baseball, even me buying my Indians hat the other day, winds up going in Nutting's pocket. But make him feel like you care more about that guy than you do the team. It is hard, though, when you're putting money directly into the pocket of Bob Nutting, and he will, as I mentioned, be profiting twice. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. There is one more Penguin note that I want to get to before we talk about Marc-Andre Fleury with Rob Rossi coming up in eight minutes. Patrick Hornquist and Connor Sheary got hurt last night. Well, they had already been hurt, pardon me. Tom Kuhnhockel and Carter, Carter Rowney got hurt last night in the Penguins' victory over Las Vegas. When the Penguins were down in that game, Kessel went on Malkin's line, and Gensel went on Crosby's line. The biggest strength of the Penguins over there recent streak where they've won 11 to 16 games is they've had depth but their stars have also been unreal I think the best thing right now is to say F depth and allow the stars to continue to be the stars if you try to spread the talent out you put a lot of pressure on that talent to have to produce with players who aren't up to the standards I've seen about enough of Dominic Simone now I thought the kid could play he can play but he's not a top line player we might look at him years from now like we saw Brian Gibbons. A guy who's a stopgap. How the hell did the Penguins win with him? He's playing on the top line. That puts a lot of pressure on Sidney Crosby. Tom Kuhnhocker got kicked up to the second line. That puts a hell of a lot of pressure on Evgeny Malkin. Then you've got Phil Kessel playing with some jabronis on the third line. And all of a sudden, it ratchets up for him too. 
the Stars are having to play with jabronis. Not that that's fair, but you get the picture. And they have to carry the team as it is. Well, now you're sticking them on lines with guys who can't finish, guys who can't make plays, and, well, eh. So give Crosby Gensel. Allow those two to work their skills. Give Evgeny Malkin Phil Kessel. And you know what? Put Zach Aston Reese on that second line, too. Don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole and put him on the fourth freaking line when the guy's got pedigree. He was the best scorer in college hockey last year. He plays a lot like Patrick Hornquist. And, oh, yeah, guess what? He plays left wing. Don't try to move guys around. Kuhnhockel's a left wing. They put him up at right wing. Put Re- put Aston Reese as the left wing on Malkin's line. Give him Phil Kessel. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, talking more puck, and specifically about last night's experience, if you will, at PBG Paint Arena. He is Rob Rossi. You're listening to The Crowley Show. I'm going to take a break. home today, bitches, because I'm lazy and my Kia Rio can't get out the driveway. That being said, I suppose I could have shuffled the driveway. I chose not to. Brian brought the access. We're posted up on my couch. My dog's all up in his face. I'd say besides me and my wife and my parents and maybe my wife's parents, Brian's Molly's favorite human. I also came to realize this. Because I haven't showered, or brushed my teeth, or done anything other than wash dishes in this radio show today, I don't think I've burned a single calorie. Not one! Joining me now to talk about the emotion of last night is our good buddy, Rob Rossi. Rob, thanks so much for coming on two days in a row, man. Adam, you must really be hurting for content. Why, man? Because I haven't yawned two days in a row? (laughs) Hey, man, I'd join you every day if I could. Make that happen, by the way. That'd be fun. Once a week. Rob Rossi for three hours. How about we do that? I'm 100% down. I believe you're filling in for me on Friday when I'm filling in for Madden in a move that makes absolutely zero logistical sense, but I'm going to leave that one sit there. (laughs) Rob? Yeah, it's it's always interesting when they take the guy whose name of the show and move him to another guy's name show and bring in another guy to, yeah, whatever. Well, because you're so good and I'm not as good as Madden, that might be a day where we can actually steal some ratings. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Rob, did last night live up to your expectations, and did you wind up going? I did not go um, uh, I, I, for reasons I explained yesterday. But uh, the reason I did not go is, you know, to summarize, I didn't need to play pretend that I was part of something special with Mark and that I could also uh, just forget how everything happened towards the end. So I chose not to. Um, uh, and, uh, watching it on TV, uh, aside from the fact that, uh, the AT&T broadcast kept showing Mark's sister and I think a lot Not of people his thought wife. that was his wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. I'm, I thought it looked like the tribute was fantastic. It, Adam, it looked like it certainly got the mark and him and I chatted a little bit this morning about it and, uh, I know he was taken aback by it, but 
Uh, and then it became kind of a weird hockey game, like we predicted. <laughs> it did. Uh, of course, Ryan Reeves would be the first one to score. And, of right. course, Ian Cole would be the next guy to score. Steelers have this – Steelers, my God. The Penguins have yeah. this abundance of talent, and yet it's those two who are putting the puck behind Mark andre Fleury, but two guys who don't know Mark uh, as well as some of the other guys. Would, would you think Mark would have preferred it to be that way? I think he would have preferred to pitch a shutout. Well, that's true. <laughs> But, yeah, um, uh, I think if you would have asked Mark if it were likely that he'd make some spectacular saves early in the game on the skill guys and had something sneak by from a guy that isn't exactly known for his offensive prowess, <laughs> he probably would have laughed and said, yes, of course that, that's how it would go. So, now, you said that you spoke yeah. to Mark Andre, or at least texted with him this morning. I'm not going to ask you to release all kinds of personal details if they are personal, but you kind of alluded to it but his thoughts on how everything went down yesterday oh he just i mean he was just he was taken aback i mean you know as he said in that moment that was genuine you know he was tearing up he uh, you know he was he was trying to enjoy it during the pregame skate flipping pucks and everything and um but you know in that moment when that video played you know he, he skated behind the net to to take a look at it. He wanted to watch that video. He wanted to sort of lose himself in that moment, and he allowed himself to. And, um, you know, I I think the safest thing to say about Mark this morning is that it lives up to his every expectation, and also he's probably very glad it's behind him. Rob Rossi, Trib Live, joining me here on the Crowley Show. There's that saying that was in Batman that says you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Marc-Andre Fleury had been cast kind of as the scapegoat a number of times in his career, and then now he's back as being the hero. That can't be very common, and I don't know if it heals all the wounds for Marc-Andre, but uh, I would imagine it's better this way than leaving and being a villain. Well, right. I mean, I look, I, I think... Whereas maybe 13 or 14 months ago, it was unimaginable even for Mark when, you know, when we talked for him to uh, really conceive of how his time in Pittsburgh would end because he could, he always thought he'd just be here until he was done playing. I, I think now if you were going to look at it, it, it played out as, it played out as favorably as it could, right? I mean, he, he's not playing for a, you know, a historic rival. Did he get to pick his team that he'd play for? No, but he went to an organization where he's clearly comfortable, right? And somewhere where he gets to sort of be part of a, a unique thing. And I think that's another thing when you got to consider Mark, right? It, it was uh, – he was leaving something pretty special for him. You know, an organization he'd grown up with where he had known everybody and known everything and it, it, the community, and he, he's getting to establish that all again in Las Vegas. And I think the fact that no matter how things might have been bad at times, it certainly seems like everybody in Pittsburgh is willing to forgive that. <laughs> and so if he's willing to forgive it, then all is forgiven, right? I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's different from the Yager thing, but the same in that I do think the day comes when Yarmir Yager comes back to Pittsburgh, Adam, and has his number retired, and, and it's all like everything's forgiven, right? And there aren't a lot of guys who transcended the the atmospheric so much that they can have that happen. And, you know, 
I thought Steve Mears last night in the broadcast, you know, said it really well about Marquis. He's one of the more beloved figures in Penguins history. He's also one of the more entertaining ones. And I think that's a lot of it too, right? Like Mark, Mark Andre, I think when we look back, we'll think of the smiling and the acrobatic saves and the, you know, the sort of the, the way he played the position. It was almost like that was the way the Penguins needed a goaltender to play, not like robotic and stiff, but with a little bit of energy and pizzazz. Yeah, that's interesting. I've often thought of Ben Roethlisberger that way from a quarterback standpoint for the Steelers. He's not a guy who's going to just drop back and dink and dunk you to death. He's going to take a hit, throw a guy off him, punch him in the groin, shrug another guy off, and then throw an incompletion 30 yards down the field. I think that's uh, kind of the way a Steelers quarterback needs to play. He's tough. Uh, he plays not like a quarterback, but like a quote-unquote football player. And the Penguins... And they've got all kind of star power, and they score, and they've got pizzazz, and they've got cachet. And you're right, Marc-Andre Fleury does possess all those things. And, man, it started from the beginning, too, did it not? In that first game oh. against Los Angeles, flailing those pads around. From that second on, he announced himself as being an entertainer here in Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, Mark was – it's easy to forget now how bleak it was at that time. Because, you know, when they drafted him in, what, 2003, you know, they had, they had sold off Yager. They had gotten rid of guys like Kovalev and that. I mean, this was – there wasn't a lot to watch. There was Mario with, like, one working hip and then a bunch of guys that they were trying to sell us. And, you know, even early on, they kept putting Mark up and down between the minors and uh, – or actually back then his uh, junior team. And some of that was for financial reasons. Right. And, you know – there was a full season before the lockout where the only thing the Penguins had to offer us was Marc-Andre Fleury. Ask Ed Olchek about it. You know, he'll tell you, like, I probably would have kept my job if I'd have been able to have Fleury that whole year because coming out of the lockout, he'd have been – had a whole season under his belt. Um, you know, Mark – look, at, and I think the best I can say about Mark is this. I think there will one day be four other numbers hanging from the rafters other than Mario – um, and, and, you know, and, and Michelle Briere, it's a d- different reason they retired his number. Right. But I think those four are going to be the other three greatest players in the history of the franchise, Yager, Malkin, and Crosby. And, and I think they will put Marc-Andre Fleury's up there. The thing that these guys all have in common is that they were all able to pull the Penguins out of dark eras. Uh, right. Obviously, Lemieux and, and Yager, what they did. Who had a bigger contribution, do you think, to the franchise? Not that there's a right or wrong answer here, but in your opinion, Marc-Andre Fleury or Yarmir Yager? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really good question, Adam. Uh, I always will say this. There, there was. It's easy to forget now how important Yarmir Yager was to that franchise just staying financially afloat. At the end of the 90s, he was the singular reason they would make the playoffs and they needed every penny they could get back then. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we can discount that with the Armir. I don't. I don't think we should. Uh, you know, I've I've said it, Adam. The the game six against New Jersey when he tied and then won the game in overtime. I believe in '99. I, I think it's the single most important performance the Penguins have ever had because I don't think there are a Pittsburgh Penguins. They didn't have the they didn't have the money. They needed that next round. Um, that said. I think when you talk about the historic impact of the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's obviously Mario, Sid, Yager, and I mean I don't know if Flurry's not even tied for fourth with Malkin. 
I think they might go hand in hand. Um, Flurry's an enormous figure because he was what they had not had since Barrasso and what they've rarely had here, a, a franchise goalie that they could count on for over a decade. And they didn't have to worry about that position. And that was a luxury for whoever was the coach or the general manager. Look at the Flyers. Uh, they've had some really good right. teams. And my God, it's just a revolving door at goaltender. I think Penguins fans, 10 years from now, are going to realize what it's like to live like other NHL fans. My buddy and I were texting about that today. He's a Rangers fan. He's all pissed because they're going to have to sell everyone off. And I think luck had a lot to do with why they never wound up raising the Stanley Cup uh, with Henrik Lundqvist, but that's kind of the way things go. Uh, you need a bounce here and there, even when you've got the stars that the Penguins do, but, man, life after Crosby and Malkin and uh, obviously Flurry, suck these last few years up, Pittsburgh. Make sure you hang right. on to it. And, and Enjoy even regular this. season, right? I mean, watch all the games in the regular season. Enjoy every win. Enjoy the talent. Enjoy the spectacle that the Pittsburgh Penguins are. Well, think about this. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury is most likely going to be one of three goalies ever to have 500 regular season wins, okay? And almost everybody's going to associate him with what work he did in Pittsburgh. And if you don't think having a guy that you can count on to play in 55 games and give you 35 wins a year for 10 years is a luxury, just think about this, right? As great as Matt Murray is, right, he's going to have to wait until next season to even have a chance to accomplish that once. Right. And that's taking nothing away from Matt. It's just that at a very young age, Marc-Andre Fleury was able to be the go-to goalie. He had some ups and downs. It wasn't all great, but he was the go-to goalie. And, again, you asked about importance. Here's what we do know, Adam. If Marc-Andre Fleury a year ago doesn't tell the Penguins he'll alter his contract and be exposed to Vegas, they don't win the Stanley Cup again last year because they don't have him on that team to turn to when uh, Matt Murray's injured. And they definitely do not get past round two. They might not have gotten past round one without Marc-Andre Fleury. They would have been down one nothing in that first series without Mark Andre. Yeah. Hell, maybe 2 nothing uh, with the way that right. Columbus came out those first couple of games. Uh, Rob, what's – and this is a difficult question, but, hey, you're Rob Rossi from the Trib, so why not lob up some difficult questions? What's more impressive to you, the fact that he did what you just said, which is last year say, you know what, I'll wave it, and then I'll expose myself to the expansion draft, or the fact that – being yanked around up and down early in his career didn't ruin him mentally because that could have easily happened. And we see it in the in Major League Baseball all the time. Uh, going down to the minors, coming back up, going down, coming back up. That can mess with guys' heads. Right. I think in a way, though, the best thing that ever happened to Marc-Andre Fleury is Michelle Perrion because when Michelle finally got Mark, Michelle made it about results, not about finances, right? Mark had been yanked around. Um, because of financial reasons, right? And then when Michelle became the head coach in Pittsburgh, you know, he made it very clear. I have a certain expectation for the way I want you to perform. And if you don't perform like that, you won't be the goalie. But it gave Mark a tangible thing to chase, right? It wasn't this, I can play well and still have not played. And I think in a way that prepared Mark to sort of 
handle anything because Michelle was very demanding. No, Mark, they, I remember a game where they had like, or stretch where they had like points and I don't know what it was, 13 or 14 consecutive games. And they played an afternoon game on Long Island and, and Mark gave up like four goals and like, or three goals and they yanked them and, and he didn't start the next game. And it was like, whoa, but Michelle was, you know, I think his, his own way was preparing Mark for what life is like to become that franchise goalie. So I think having to overcome that early in his career was, was more impressive. I don't want to discredit what he did last year, but at the same time, that also gave him some control, right? Yeah. You know, okay. he was able to sort of go, look, now I know it's going to end, and I know basically where I'm going to go. Right. I'm going to play hockey here, and right. that's what it's going to be about. Uh, and that's going to drive how much more hockey I get to play here, not the finances. Uh, last couple of right. things here for Rob Rossi. Uh, it's hard to argue with the results, obviously, but I still think it was pretty unfair on Mike Sullivan last year to yank Mark andre Fleury. I get why he yanked him in the game. I would have gone back to him, though. I would have, too. I maintain they would have won the Stanley Cup last year with Mark. Absolutely. Just Agreed. as they did with, with Matt. Uh, I think Matt was incredible in the latter stages of the Stanley Cup final. I don't think people give him enough credit for how well he played in games four, five, and six. Um, that said, my, my read on it, now look, Mike Sullivan's never told me this, but my read on it then is my read on it now. He felt like that series against Ottawa was totally being played on terms of the Ottawa Senators after three games. And I think he felt like the only way I can get this team's attention is to make the goaltending switch. And he, he, I think he did feel like he had to do it then because if they went down three to one, I don't think he felt like they were coming back. And I think he felt like this is the, this is the card I have to play. Even if it's not the fairest of cards, this is the one I have to play because what else were you going to do with that? What lineup change was going to get everybody's yeah. attention? Um, I know a lot of people think he had something against Mark. I don't think he did. I think he's always been a big believer in Matt Murray. But I think he felt like, I don't have a game to play with here. They were going to go down 2-1 at the end of that, you know, those first four goals in Ottawa in game three. And I think he felt like, I have to play this card, and I have to, you know, at the very least get Matt Murray positioned to be in this. Let's not forget, too, for as much as we talk about Mike Sullivan and that move, it was – Two years, you know, two years before the year before, when he pulled Matt Murray from the series against Tampa That's and true. gave Mark a chance to to win himself. I think if Mark wins that game five, he's the starter uh, in game six. Um, you know, he didn't. So I, you know, I wasn't as harsh on Mike Sullivan as a lot of people were, though I do think it necessarily wasn't fair. <laughs> Rob, really good stuff, man. Again, I wanted you to bookend that game yesterday and. You delivered. You always deliver, and you'll be delivering again on Friday from the Carson City Saloon. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. I'll just call you Mark. Rob Rossi, the man. He'll be filling in, as I just mentioned, on Friday as I fill in for Mark Madden, which it's odd, but I'll take it because I will lower Mark's ratings, and, well, Rob should keep mine the same. Trust Rob. Listen to Rob. He's a good man. Up next, the hottest take of the day that has to do with the Steelers. And I've got other crap, plus KDO says, maybe I did 
violate the terms of our agreement. It's yep. the Crowley Show. Joe was our line to Stu Gotts. Joe is now gone. He works for the DVE Morning Show. We're on his line to every other guest because he didn't take his little black book with him. But we got to get Stu Gotts on here in the near future. Maybe we'll make that Tom's responsibility. It can't be me. Because if it's me, I'm the guy who already did the dweeby line of, hey, next time you're in town, let me know. Yeah. I'll buy you a beer or two. That ain't good. We'll make Tom figure it out. KDO's in studio. I am at my house <laughs> because I am the shiz, and I was lazy, and I couldn't get out of my driveway. I didn't feel like shoveling, so Brian brought over the equipment that we need to set things up. While he was here, and he still is here. So when Brian got here, he noticed that I did not have my belly button ring in. He says I had to keep it in for two weeks. I maintain that I alluded to keeping it in for two weeks, but it was never actually the decision. We've had listeners on both sides of the fence. Tom thinks I don't need to have it in anymore. Joe thinks I don't need to have it in anymore. Brian does. KDO says what? Well, if you alluded to keeping it in for two weeks, then... Why bring it up if you don't mean it? I always said I thought that the agreement was that we had to keep it in for two weeks, but I'm not sure. Well, then you made up the agreement. Well, we're going to have to go back and listen to the tape, Katie. That's the only way we can figure this out. And see, how are you going to find this tape? Uh, you go back to we'll go back through the air checks. But Katie, here's the thing that stuck out at me. Right when he lifted his shirt to scratch his belly, I'm listening. I look up and I see that there's no ring. And he gets a panic look on his face. So that panic look right there tells me that he knew he was doing something wrong. And then he starts to explain himself. Right. And that right there clearly shows that there was some kind of guilt to be had. It's a guilty Crowley. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't want to show him my navel. It's against my religious beliefs. Dude, you kept your shirt up. You didn't, put, you didn't drop your shirt when I saw it. You just kept it up. Last night I had a ridiculous bandage on because... Well, I was bleeding from the navel. And the day before that, I had a ridiculous bandage on to keep the belly button ring stuck to my belly button whenever I was going for a run because it was clanking all around. I should have just have kept freaked. that on in perpetuity so that you would have thought that it was on under there, but that I was afraid it was going to bleed or get snagged on something. But that's that the thing. If you want to hide something from Brian, you know you're doing something wrong. Right. I, I thought just, you were all about accountability. On I am. I'm Katie, a, I love you right it's now. It's the year of excellence 2.0, Katie. Is and it? Yes, transparency is the number one virtue of the Crowley show. Is it? I didn't feel like having this debate. <laughs> That's why I didn't want him to see it, because well, I didn't want are. the debate. <laughs> Goodbye, Katie. Bye. Tomorrow, we'll have the tape of the agreement when it was made, and we will figure it out. And we'll determine some sort of punishment if I am voiding the bet. In some form. I mean, I, I think it, and I think that should be set before because after the fact, I think right now we should probably set that. Is it is it basically my call? No. What happens to you? I mean, it can't be worse than a belly button piercing. Because the only thing that's left is a tattoo, or I have to walk over. Oh hot well, coals no. I mean, that's or... thinking in like hot coals, not a bad idea. I mean, but there's there's other things I could come up with. I'm a creative guy. I can I can think of some things that might be equally. Uh, I guess bad for you, but not harmful for you, if that makes sense. I, so I embarrassing's better than harm. All I want right now, I don't want to. I just want the ability to choose what your punishment is if you are in fact wrong. But you're solid on the fact that 
you are right, that you know it wasn't supposed to be two weeks, so it shouldn't be a problem if I sit there and, and get the uh, the prerogative to say whatever happens This is to twice you. today that Brian's going to think he Jedi'd me. This time, ah, oh, man, I knew what he was going to say before he said it, and I knew he was going to get me, and you know what? I am confident. You are. We'll go to the tape. Brian has the authority, but it can't be a painful thing. It ha- embarrassment only. Okay. Oh, okay. Embarrassing or fear-based? Embarrassing. I, well, I get the... Uh, it's my choice. Whoa, whoa. My but, dog's pulling my headset off. Yeah, it's my choice here, but uh, yeah, okay. If it's something like... I'm good with that. Okay. I, I got, oh, man. I got a quiver full of embarrassing. <laughs> oh, boy. It's okay. It'll never have to happen. It is now time for the hottest take of the day. Ready, Joe? It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. We should keep the intro exactly the same, but we should have Tom put his name in over Joe, so it just sounds like, you ready, Joe? But are you ready, Tom? And the Tom is Tom, and it could be even clunkier production. We'll put that on the list. We'll make that happen. There's a mock draft that I saw yesterday. That had the Steelers trading up to take quarterback Josh Allen. Yo, F that shiz right in the bleep. No way. Not because I don't like Josh Allen, but because I don't think the Steelers should be drafting a quarterback when the owner said today that quarterback wants to play beyond his current contract. The current contract's two years, so that implies he wants to play at least three years. Why are we drafting his replacement three years out? F that. That is ridiculous. Use every draft pick this year, the next year, and the year prior, or after, whatever, to help this football team win, to help Ben Roethlisberger win, because after Ben's gone, it's the dark ages. You don't know what you're going to get. And whatever quarterback you draft, you're not going to know what he's going to provide for you. Bring these guys in that can help Ben win now. F drafting a quarterback. Ben's playing three more years. That's the hottest take of the day. I got it. That was the hottest take of the day. Tom, day, can you do me a favor, day, please, and play day. the intro for the hottest take of the day? If it's handy there for you, can you just play the intro? Ready, Joe? Tom! See, like that! It's time for the hottest oh, take yeah. of the day. So we're just going to Frankenstein more we're of it. We're going to Frankenstein more of it. See, for anybody who didn't know what was going on here... This is live production. We experimented with live production on the air because Joe did not have any production. Should have been a demerit, but he didn't have any production ready. So we had to do live production on the air, and that's what you, that's why you get that. And I'm cool with that. If we have to Frankenstein it up, add Tom, you know. That's what I'm thinking. Let's erase Joe from the photo. Six million dollar man. It's time for other crap. Woo! Other crap. Three eagles oh, yeah, saying that they're not going to the White House. Because they hate Trump. I get it. I probably wouldn't go either. But I think it's about damn time athletes have to go to the White House. And in fact, the invitation should stop being sent. Yeah, it's memorable. Yeah, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Unless you're Tom Brady, then you can go 15 times. The president's got better things to do. The football teams have better things to do. F it. Scrap it. See ya. Goodbye. I got a problem with that. Okay. The president is one man with his detail, of course. Shouldn't it be on his dime to get to them? 
Shouldn't they be able to hang out as the Super Bowl champions to hang out? If the president wants to see these guys, let him get off his ass and go see them. I'm in. Mike Pence would just leave prior to the national anthem. <laughs> Tomorrow on the show, Will Graves is in Pyongyang. Am I saying that right? <laughs> sure. He's in Pyongyang. Pyongyang. See, I was afraid I was going to do that, but I'm happy you did. We might talk to him. I haven't asked him yet. And we got Tim Benz. He'll be joining the show. He's not. He's not going to be in Pyongyang. Peace. Richie Walsh. Funny.